Welcome everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber. I am thrilled today to introduce you to Adelina East. She and I met in a female podcast group, and I was on her podcast, and now she's going to be on mine, which I'm so excited for you to hear all of her experiences and story. I'm going to start off with a quick bio about her, and then we'll get into some conversation. So Adelina East is an international lecturer, mental health expert, multidimensional mentor, and leadership coach, working with global clientele to recover from trauma and bring forth innovation. She is the founder of Transformational Healing, Adelina draws upon her neuroscience and counseling backgrounds, as well as her spiritual gifts, to lead others through a spirit-driven process to retrain their brains, create profound change, and Adelina's decade-long career with the United Nations, which just is amazing, and other humanitarian aid organizations brought her to serve thousands of people in eight countries to overcome trauma and lead others to do the same. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Susan. I'm happy to be here. Such an impressive biography, first of all. You're the first person I've met who has ever worked for the United Nations. So tell us about that experience for you. What was that like? It was incredible in every way you could possibly imagine. I started out by just having this sense that I was supposed to do something bigger. I had worked in film production for many years, and I ended up taking a trip at the urging of my partner at the time to Myanmar. And I will probably refer to it as Burma many times during the podcast, but it's the most beautiful place. And I ended up doing some photography there and trying to really draw attention to the human rights abuses that were happening on the ground in Burma. And um, my film got taken away. I was arrested. It was a whole thing happening. And thankfully, I was able to get myself out. But I also wow. do know that it could have ended very differently, like that I could still be there. And that was just pure privilege. Um, and so after that, I came back to my my hometown, New York, and uh, went back to film for a couple of months. And I just thought, you know, this is really not me. This doesn't feel like me anymore. I have to go do something bigger than this. And so I uh, applied all over the place. I got a, a teaching position in a tiny country called East Timor between Indonesia and Australia. And everybody thought that I was nuts to leave my life. I had a beautiful rent control department on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. When does that happen? But I packed it in and I left. And I basically didn't look back until I'd been gone for over a decade. <laughs> I used that teaching position to end up getting a position with the UN and ended up working in five different countries. It was such a beautiful, a little over a decade. And I learned so much. I learned languages. I learned how to talk to people of any background in the whole world. I learned about privilege, which is a really big thing in, in my current work and in my work then. And I think I learned myself. I really came into myself being away from home for that long and getting to pursue lots of different degree programs and being able to get in touch with people who I would have never met otherwise. Wow. I, I just think about the risks that you took 
in so many ways, right? Are you normally a risk taker in general? Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I was just in those younger days. Yes, (laughs) younger days, Uh, healthier days as well. I would say um, before I had a huge health crisis in my 30s, I was definitely a risk taker. Um, I moved away from my from where I was from in upstate New York to move to New York at 18. And everyone thought I was nuts to do that as well. And then I just kept taking risk after risk. I, I worked in Northern Africa, which was pretty risky for women at the time and, and still is, and worked in Bangladesh, which is a difficult place to be a woman. And so I would say that I was definitely a risk taker until um, my health started to decline. And then I was working at UN headquarters in New York and eventually got to a point of such travesty with my health that I couldn't, I couldn't go on. And I'd worked with survivors of domestic violence all over the world. And I found that the work that I'd done with them, um, you know, it, it, it helped them in the moment. It helped their basic needs. It helped get them out of abusive homes and start businesses to be able to support themselves and their children. But it didn't really have long-term mental health impact. And that's really what I was most interested in doing. And so I ended up starting my current business and healing practice because I really wanted to have that long-term mental health impact. Wow. I would just imagine all of the things that you've seen too. How much of a toll did that, all of that take on you? A lot. Um, when I got back to New York, I had really severe PTSD and OCD and ended up um, first seeking therapy through my organization, then seeking therapy on my own and learning a lot about that as well. Just because you're a therapist doesn't mean that you've got the whole mental health thing totally figured out. And so Mm -hmm. what I ended up learning through that experience that I think has helped my clients now so much is that different things work for different people. And so Just because the standard American way of dealing with a mental health crisis is to go to therapy for the next 10, 20, 30 years and always work with the same person doesn't mean that that's what actually works. So what I found with my own mental health crisis was that it was deeply impacting my physical health. I basically had no immune system. I was unable to use my physical body for about a year and a half. My husband at the time was feeding me. I was in a wheelchair. It was very traumatic. And that piled on top of um, the vicarious trauma that I had picked up along the way throughout my career. That vicarious trauma is when you're constantly hearing about everyone else's trauma and you kind of take it into yourself. Um, Plus my own trauma from childhood, from being a teenager, from living in the world. I mean, we all have trauma. And so that just had such a huge impact on me. And I truly believe if I hadn't had all of those experiences, it would not have led me to the place of developing my own system for healing trauma, which has helped thousands of people all over the world. And I'm really proud of it. So it's not something so much that I look back on with regret, though I I still am not world's healthiest physically. But mentally, I'm feeling pretty good. And so I'm always going to look back at those experiences as being really fruitful for me and my growth. 
Well, I'm so sorry that all happened to you. I know that that's a lot and it took, uh, sounds like a long time for you to kind of work through all of that, but maybe the gift out of that is for you and for others to be able to take advantage of what you learned and all of that. I always feel like any time of traumatic experiences that we've been through, there's some gift, right, that we can see that comes out of that. Even if you think about the pandemic, there are gifts that came out of that for people that they may not have seen at the time, but now can look back on and and realize that those were gifts for them. And it sounds like this could have been something like that for you. Absolutely. Yes. And I do think that there's always, I, I won't ever um, be one of those neuroscientists or therapists. It's like, just look on the bright side. Think of the lining. <laughs> I mean, that's just incredible emotional bypassing, spiritual bypassing. Um, you don't have to look on the bright side. It's okay to say that was traumatic and hellish and I don't ever want to go through that again. That's okay. Um, but I do think it helps us once we're on the other side of that really traumatic experience to look back and say, okay, that was awful. And my heart still hurts when I think about it and I can still cry thinking about it. But what were the different things that I learned? Because once we kind of figure out what we learned in that process, it allows your body, first of all, to relax and to come out of fight or flight mode, but it also allows Mm -hmm. your brain to become more neuroplastic. I love this idea of neuroplasticity. Our brains are just plastic waiting to be molded. And so it allows our brains to mold around that learning instead of molding around that traumatic experience. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that everybody thinks about it that way, right? They just think, well, I've been through this and they may go into victim mode or they may go into, I can't change. I can't do anything about this. This happened to me. Um, But I think what your experience talks about is, yes, that did happen to you, but now you can do something different about it and your brain will actually be open to that. (laughs) Yeah. And we really can. I mean, I, I love neuroscience for just this reason. There are just so many studies that prove to us that we really can retrain our brains out of anything. I remember um, when I first came back to the States after working overseas for so long, I had this one really, really traumatic memory um, of just incredible, incredible violence. I won't even go into it here because it's too triggering for anyone listening, but just horrific violence that I had witnessed and that I had been you know, it was my job to get in there and try to resolve things. I had a, a wonderful bodyguard also who was there with me. Um, but I couldn't stop replaying it. I couldn't sleep. Every time I would fall asleep, I would see that event happening and wake up screaming. And it was horrifying. And I think that, you know, to different scales, everyone has that kind of a thing at some point, whether it was a childhood trauma, an adult trauma, maybe it was just that general vague sense of loneliness that's still left from the pandemic because we are still in a pandemic globally. Um, And I think that if I can retrain my brain to, to overcome that, I think anybody can retrain their brain to overcome any old traumas they've got going on. So who are the people who come to work with you? Are they people who have been through trauma or do you work with company? Like who are the ideal clients for you? Uh, I mostly work with humans. 
regular people <laughs> who come to me through my podcast, who come to me through Instagram or Facebook. And when everything first started for me, it started as a, an herbalism practice. I'm a certified herbalist too. And I mostly worked with women who were trying to get pregnant because I was also trying to get pregnant at the time. And that was so gratifying and fulfilling. Um, and so I still see some of those women who are, who are in the process of trying to get pregnant. A lot of trauma can, can make it challenging to get pregnant and certain herbs can also make it much easier. But I would say at this point in time, the majority of my clientele are people who are working through trauma from the pandemic, mm. that overwhelming sense of loneliness, that sense of, oh my gosh, if I step outside of the house, I'm going to get sick and things along those lines. I've also found that, um, for every new love that was found during the pandemic, there was also a divorce taking place. And so I'm working with a lot of couples right now as they uncouple and begin to find life and healing on their own. Wow, that's so true. Yeah, that's, it was a lot of togetherness for a lot of families who were not used to being together. I can see how that yes. would happen. <laughs> yes. Especially when my children had just gone off to school and then they all came right back. I was like, okay. Yeah, you know, because they just left and I think it was for, um, might have been spring break or something that they had gone back to school after being home and then they came right back. And it was, uh, it was really fascinating because they were struggling with it too. Like, why do I have to come home? I don't think, you know, I think at that point, everybody wondered if it was really a big deal, if it was really something that was going to take a long time, if it was a couple of weeks. And so there was a lot of yeah, uh, misperceptions going on in the world, and everybody had their own interpretation of what that meant. And so, you know, in the end, I was so excited to have them home because we did spend a lot of time together. We watched a lot of TV, a lot of Netflix, uh, played a lot of games, did a lot of things that, you know, I just tried to look at it as we'll never have this time back. And so right. let's enjoy it because at some point, you know, they're going to graduate soon and they're going to be gone. And uh, now they've both graduated. They're not gone yet, but they will be uh, at some point. And so I don't know. I just feel like those are some gifts that we can take away from the pandemic is, you know, spending more time together as a family. So that's a... Agreed. Yeah. And I think what a lot of my clients have also taken away from the pandemic is their their spiritual abilities. You know, we, we spoke earlier um, when we were doing the interview for my podcast about how your intuition kind of led you to lead your, leave your corporate job and start your practice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happened for a lot of people during the pandemic as well. Either their companies closed or they just had this overwhelming sense of, wow, I have all of these spiritual and intuitive gifts. I really want to explore those. And so I ended up meeting with a lot of different people throughout the pandemic and now as well um, who just wanted to expand their gifts. And so I run a a mentorship program for people who really want to tap into their intuitive gifts. And they work with me over a period of about six months in order to be able to really dive in and see what they are. And so I think that's one other, I mean, it's awful to think of there being gifts about the (laughs) pandemic, but if we have to think of gifts from the pandemic, I think that's one of them is that people just came to such a, a clearer picture and a clearer notion of who they were. I, I totally agree. And I think the other piece of it was that school also went at home. And so people trying to mm-hmm. work and manage being teachers and all of that kind of stuff on top of, you know, everything else was a lot. I can't even imagine. I mean, my son was uh, starting high school 
And so he at least understood Zoom and could do it pretty much on his own. But I can't imagine if I'd had, you know, a kindergartner or a first grader, second grader trying to help them stay engaged, you would have to sit with them. I mean, I don't even know how else you could do it. Uh, So I really feel for that. And I just saw something this morning about the number of women and or, you know, caregivers uh, who started their own businesses because it allowed them to be at home to still do what they needed to do for their family, but then also start their own their own plan for their whatever they want to do in life and maybe find their purpose and start to show up a little bit differently than they thought they were going to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's such a um, that's such an option for people of a certain background for women, some women in this country who come from privilege. Mm-hmm. But what always killed me about the entire situation and still kills me about the entire situation is that there are people in the world who just can't, they can't even, they have like eight children and they're all running around the house and they're trying to school eight children in right. eight different subjects. And, you know, it's, a lot. it's just not even possible. And so I'm hoping that this whole experience has brought us to, and I think it has brought us all to a new understanding of this. Like we are a global community. We are all one. If there's one particular place in the world that's not doing okay, it's our responsibility to help in whatever way we can do that, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's, it brought up a lot of things that I think everybody took for granted in certain ways, even having internet, right? There was some friends mm-hmm. of mine who live in parts of California and they just didn't have the best of internet and could not even get into classes in school. And so that's, oh. you know, very disheartening for them because how are they going to do it otherwise at that point? They had no other options. Right. So I think it also taught about the infrastructure that we have as a, as a country and where are there opportunities to bolster that in a bigger way so mm-hmm. that people can take advantage of you know, even if they want to do classes as adults uh, online and, and learn right. more and gain more education. So, wow, such good uh, information. And just the things that you've been through, I just helps, I don't know, the perspective that you have is going to be so much different than so many people. So I'm so grateful that you're sharing some of this with the listeners. I just think we can't always assume that where we came from and what we know is all there is, right? There's just a lot um, out there in the world that we just don't know if we haven't taken the time to, to take a look around and spend some time talking about it. So I know you have a podcast called Cosmic Leadership. Can you share a little bit about your podcast and what you talk about? Sure. So this is my second podcast, actually. And in this podcast, I love chatting with other people who have done something unusual. So uh, I've chatted with a woman who practices biomedical astrology, wow. which I had never even heard I haven't of. Either. It's like reading. Yeah, <laughs> it's reading your astrological chart um, to see what your physical constitution is like in different ways that you can boost your health. I've gotten to chat with human design expert Erin Claire Jones, which that episode just aired last week. I spoke with a feng shui expert. Um, And this week, I am so pleased to have you on the podcast. And so I've found that one of the things I, so as I continue to mentor people, right, they finish my mentorship program after six months, and then they usually start their own business or healing practice. And I found that what I needed the most when I started all of this six years ago was uh, somebody to ask questions. You know, I needed someone to tell me like, okay, 
not just the practical tools of running a business, like getting a Canva account, as you and I were talking about <laughs> earlier, to make all the graphics yes. for your social media, um, but just those like little things. What do you do if a client says, I can't pay that? Can you go lower? What do you do if um, somebody decides to cancel at the last minute? Those kinds of things. And so I found that through interviewing these other amazing cosmic leaders in this new world that we're living in, where we're working from home and things are so different, I found such comfort in chatting with them. And they all share such incredible tips with the listeners, many of whom are business owners themselves or doing some kind of like holistic or humanitarian work in the world, because I have a humanitarian background. That's who a lot of my listeners are. And so I think it just helps put out the message that it's okay to be unusual. It's okay to take a break from what is like the norm for your society and do something completely different. And I think it also gives people the strength to know that if you go out and if you just really be yourself in all of your weirdness, (laughs) people are going to love you and you're going to have great, you're going to have great business experiences. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's almost better to stand out in that way, right? Because you're not like everybody else. I mean, I think when I was writing the book, my first question to my book person was, you know, there's a bunch of leadership books out there. Why are they going to pick mine? And she said, that's a great question. What is your answer? Which was very helpful because then I had to come up with a good answer, right? And, you know, I don't think that there's a lot of books out there talking about visibility. And so, I really had to get down to why is this important? Why do I think people might benefit from it? What are my experiences that they could benefit from too? And I think, you know, as I was sharing on your podcast, we all have this experience or different experiences that we take and then apply Mm -hmm. to what we want to do or to help others. And I think there's so many different people out there in the world that I hope will take advantage just by learning, you know, stories like ours and realizing that they could do even more if they'd like. Absolutely. And that confidence to learn that you can do more, I think comes from other people like us, right? Who are out there in the trenches Mm -hmm. with people and trying to encourage them to keep moving forward with their dream, even though it might be on the surface easier to sit back and keep doing things the same way. It's never actually easier long-term. No. Yeah. We're not, we're not saying it's always easy. We're definitely not saying that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think that what you talked about was uh, one of the hardest lessons I think for me, just, I understood how to coach, but how to start a business and how to do all that stuff was a, a whole different animal that I wasn't quite sure how to navigate. And thank God I found some great people that I could, lean on and ask questions too, just like you're talking about in your group. So, Mm -hmm. so is that group the same as the retrain your brain sessions that you're having, or those are totally different? Different. So the cosmic leadership podcast is uh, a beautiful time of love and community and learning from one speaker at a time. My brain retraining sessions are for those who are looking to up level in their lives. And so I work with A lot of high-level executives and creatives who have maybe hit an impasse in their lives, and we usually can root it back to a traumatic experience, right? So I was working with um, a Hollywood person the other day who, after she had been into a really bad car accident, things started to to move in a bad direction in her career. And it was not um, for anything other than the trauma of being in a car accident. And so once we can retrain your brain 
out of that traumatic experience, the world is your oyster again. What actually happens in our brains when we experience trauma, and I won't get too sciencey with your audience, but they're smart, so I'm sure they'll be interested. When you have trauma repetitively happen, or for some people even just once, let's go back to the car accident example, it was traumatic to your brain, not because you hit your head, but because there was this sense of not being safe. And we all have those moments, right? When you just feel, mm-hmm. don't feel safe. And that can actually become a loop in your brain. And so what I do in my brain retraining sessions is that we go into your limbic brain through a process of meditation and retrain it to come out of that trauma loop. So the five major parts of our limbic brain all sort of feed off of each other. And so it really just takes retraining the first two or so to get everything else to calm back down. And so each client that I work with at the end of our session gets a recording of the session. And I ask them to repeat the brain retraining exercise that's custom made for them in our session. I ask them to repeat it two or three times again afterwards and then see how they feel. Some people feel so great that we never need to meet again. Some people have, you know, a history of trauma, things that happened in childhood and things that are holding them back from really moving forward and to use your favorite word, be visible (laughs) in the world. And so we can go back through those different experiences and retrain the brain out of them so that they can really show up as themselves and become successful. Wow, this is fascinating. So they get to, or you basically talk with them and decide how many sessions they may need based on how they feel. How do they, how do they know that they need this? Or is this just through a conversation with you that you realize that this might help them? Um, I don't really do conversations like that anymore. Honestly, I, Mm. I wait for someone to book. And then in our first session, we talk about their goals. We talk about, uh, they kind of give me a quick rundown of what they want to work on. And we have that first session together. And then I send them off and say, you know, use this recording two or three more times. 95% of the time, they send me an email a few days later and say, I feel fantastic. Next, I want to work on this, 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 this. And so at that point, we start talking about um, how many more sessions they may need. But it really, I co-collaborate with them. Something I always hated about being a therapist was that prescribed work with me forever and ever and ever thing. I, it just, yeah. it gulls me from a moral standpoint. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I want the person to also tell me what they feel like they need. If we can get through one trauma entirely in one session and you have no residual effects of it whatsoever, then you really won't need very many sessions. For a lot of people, it takes two or three on one particular trauma if it's like a really deep-seated one. I find that the earlier it happened to you in life, usually the longer it takes to heal. But it's not unhealable. You can totally retrain your brain out of it. And I've seen it happen so many times. And I've done it for myself as well. What a huge impact to someone who's been carrying some of these traumas around for years and years and years and years and probably went to therapy for years and still couldn't get past it. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing stuff that you're doing. I love that. Thanks. One of the things that we do with all guests is go through what I call the rise up and be visible quick tips. And so I would love to go through these four different questions with you and hear your perspective on them. The first one 
Fill in the blank. Visibility is? Being yourself. Oh, wow. Yes, could we all just be ourselves? Right? (laughs) I've found that being myself is the only way to be visible. If I try to, you know, slap it on or be more corporate than I am, be more fancy than I am, it really, people see right through that. It really doesn't work. So I think visibility is just being yourself. That is amazing. Do you have advice or a tip that you could share with the listeners on what you have done to be visible? Ooh, that's a rough one. Um, Okay, what have I done to be visible? I would say it's been a very long learning practice for me to be visible. I would say that my quickest tip for people would be to remember how connected you are to everything and everyone around you. If you're a, a... believe in the universe person, remember how connected you are to the universe. And that alone can just put you in a mindset to be more visible. You're like, yeah, I'm super important. Without me, all of these other things wouldn't be happening. And the world would not be the same without me. And that's true for every single person on the planet. You know, one person's energy affects everyone else's. So I would say just remember your your points of connection and how different the world would be without you. Wow, what a big gift that is to for everybody to hear that message uh, and take it with you because it's so true. What is the one piece of leadership or career advice that you received that helped you the most? Well, this is an interesting question. I'm not great with advice. Um, I tend to go my own way. <laughs> um, so... I think my, okay, what would my best, my best advice probably would be from my mom. And it's advice that she even gave me this morning and that she gives me all the time, which is one, two, three, give it a try it. Apparently when I was a child, I used to stand at the top of the stairs and I would count one, two, three, give it a try it. And I jumped to the bottom of the stairs. And if you think about it, that's all we're doing all the time, right? Especially as entrepreneurs, we're one, two, three, giving it a try it. We're not, you know, we can't rely on an outcome because we don't know yet. It's all one big experiment. It's like a lifelong science class, which I think is why I love it, because I'm such a science nerd. Um, And that's the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. All of the really high-level people I've worked with. The best one was my mother. One, two, three, give it a try it. See, moms know best. They just do. (laughs) Plus, I love, you know, when you think about when you're a kid, you just try stuff. Anyway, you're not looking for someone to tell you yes or no. You just want to try it. It's later on that we get all those doubts in our head about whether we should or shouldn't and what would happen if Mm -hmm. I do it. Instead, just, I love, oh, I'm going to remember that one. I'm going to borrow that one a lot. Okay. The last question is, what books have you read recently that you love and would recommend? Uh, Okay, I have a few, and these are not necessarily ones I've read recently, but I think they're really helpful for anyone who's trying to work through things to get to the other side. I love Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score. It's a book all about how the trauma or painful feelings that you've had in your life can actually move through your body and, and cause all different kinds of issues. I think that's a really helpful book to have. For anyone working through anything, um, I love any book that is written by Martha Beck. I think she's a complete genius. And I also love Byron Katie's The Work. I do too. She has so many 
brilliant, brilliant things to say. And it's been so helpful to me. Yeah. I went and saw her speak in person in Arizona and she was just amazing. Uh, When you were talking earlier, I was thinking about that experience because there were some people who got up on stage and talked about some extremely traumatic situations that had happened to them as kids. And they had been through years of therapy and could not move past it. And she really helped them so much in that moment because they just wanted to get rid of all of that stuff they've been carrying around for years, some 40 years in some of cases. So yeah, I was, I almost felt weird being there listening, you know, to what they were sharing, but it was almost like the two of them were just talking like the rest of us weren't even there. And, you know, just think about for someone who's been through something like that to get up in that moment and say, you know what, I just need help. I don't care who's listening. I don't Mm -hmm. care what's happening. I just need you to help me. And she absolutely did. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. She is. So I'll include uh, some of these different uh, links in the notes for everybody because um, I'm a huge Byron Katie fan. I I quote her multiple times in the book because I think she's amazing uh, as well. So. Well, thank you for being here. Like I said, uh, Adelina and I are new friends and I'm so excited to have met her and that she's gotten to share some of the things that she's been doing out in the world with all of you. How can people connect with you if they'd like to reach out to you? You can connect with me in a number of ways. Um, I, I know that Susan's going to drop the links below, but I'm on Instagram at Adelina East. I spell my name A-D-A, not A-D-E, A-D-A. Uh, I'm on Facebook under the same name, and I have a free course called Harness Your Gifts in Seven Days. And you can always sign up to take that free course on my website at AdelinaEast.com. Yes, well, I would definitely say check out that course. I'm going to check it out myself uh, because I think you are a gift to the world. And I just want more people to know what you're doing and how you can help them move past you know, some very difficult traumas that they've experienced so they can move forward in their lives. It's such a gift that you have. Thank you, Susan. You're such a gift also. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks everybody for joining today and I will catch you on the next Visibility Factor podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor Podcast.